Well, this is Bismarck Martinez, as I was mentioning, and I'm an assistant professor for scholarly services at the Food Processing Center and the Nebraska Manufacturing Extension Partnership. So when Joan uh, approached me, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, what is food safety? So I would like to start explaining a little bit, just a definition of what we understand, what is food safety, and then we're gonna, I wanna share a few resources that we have at the Food Processing Center, and a project that I'm working on to help uh, you know, food manufacturers and, and, and producers to, to understand the regulation, to, to see ways in which we, they can manufacture or produce um, you know, products that are safe. So with that in mind, let's, let's move on to the, the first slide. Uh, here, just as I was explaining, I just want to talk a little bit about what is food safety. And food safety basically is a, is a scientific discipline of food science that is looking at how to handle and prepare and storage food in ways that is going to prevent food illnesses. So, so as you are aware, there is you know bacteria, moles, viruses that that can actually um, affect. Uh, the human when we eat, you know, product that has not been managed properly during the food chain. So with that in mind, you know, as a, as a food manufacturer or as a food producer, you want to want to make sure that your product is not going to uh, make anybody ill. Uh, and one of the things is, um, you know, making sure that we are talking about right temperatures uh, when we are, let's say, uh, pasteurizing or make sure that we are putting our product you know, under refrigeration conditions, what is the type of product that is going to go at refrigeration conditions. So we are talking about, you know, that's, that is what is food safety. So why is this important? Uh, of course, consumers are expecting that when they eat the product, they are not gonna get sick. So um, if that's the case, then, you know, most likely they're not gonna buy your product anymore. They're gonna go to a competitor and that's gonna hurt your business. So the success of your business actually depend a lot uh, to make sure that you are doing everything that you can uh, to prevent. And at the end of the day, if any of those previous reasons uh, doesn't make any sense, well, we have laws uh, and regulations that is explaining that you need to follow those regulations before uh, selling that product. So that's why we have the Department of Department of Agriculture taking a look about how are you going, how are you growing, you know, your your products. Uh, we have the Department of Health that is looking, you know, at retail levels. We are the FDA who is looking at food processing facilities, and uh, they are doing audits, and you know, they can they can shut you down if if you are not following those rules. Also, we understand that you know, producers and manufacturers they may have some difficulties, so. Uh, the government basically put, you know, all of this set of regulation and they understand that sometimes it's hard for small manufacturers to comply with all of the regulation. They may not have, uh, you know, the human capital or the skill set that they need, you know, to apply all these regulations. And that's when, you know, the Nebraska extension, that's, you know, the Nebraska Manufacturing Extension Partnership actually got a grant from the Department of Commerce. It's paying part of my salary. And, and what we're trying to do is to provide pretty much any assistance on, on food safety. Uh, we are most likely, uh, as long as we have a client that is, you know, that is looking to improve their process regarding food safety, we can go visit them, we can kind of give them a walk out it in, in that way feel threaded uh, and, and in that way they can improve 
based on our observation. That's what we are trying to do in general. So with that idea, we have a project that is called the Food Safety in the Heartland. And basically it is a project that is looking for provide assistance in food safety in three states, Nebraska, Kansas, and Missouri. And what we are doing, once again, is we are just trying to provide knowledge and training on regulation. Uh, this grant was awarded to talk a lot about FISMA, which is not real regulations. Uh, in 2011, uh, at that time, President Obama signed, signed, signed a law that is looking into um, how to improve uh, the food safety across the whole, across the whole chain. Uh, and with that in mind, people are, at that time, they were not aware, so we have a lot of training. We want to, some of that training is subsidized, heavily subsidized by our grant, so that allows small manufacturers to understand the process and get the help that they need. We are looking into provide training. Also, we are looking into provide consulting services. In that way, as I was explaining, we can go and do diagnostic workshops. Um, what we do there is basically we go, we go to food, food, food processing facilities and we kind of see the documentations and stuff. We can provide uh, kind of general observations and we can help uh, with the programs of foreign good manufacturing practice, sanitation. So as you can see, this is more, um, more in the processing side uh, than the produce uh, safety side. But I'm gonna talk a little bit about what I'm doing for as a collaborative effort with you know, the Department of Ag and the, and the Nebraska Extension as well. So, you know, this is, some, this is one resource that we have available at this moment. Those are basically on-demand videos on you know, easy uh, way to understand what is FISMA, different roles, and those are available in our website. So if you if you're if you're not sure what is the different things that you need to comply, what is that different FISMA regulations, you just want to learn, those are videos that are meant to or just just give you a hint uh, and just understand if you need to comply and if you need to attend our courses. Uh, those are pretty much like 15 to 20 minutes long. So and you can just with your cell phone or your computer, uh, you can you can access those. So as I was explaining, we have you know seven seven different roles on FISMA. Uh, you know we have the product safety role, the human preventing controls. Uh, for example, let's let's discuss a little bit. The product safety role are basically is 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 a set of guidelines that is going to tell you how to uh, make you know how to grow and and do vegetables. For example, there's some requirements for water. There's some requirement for soil some requirements um, you know for the for the animals that don't don't go inside uh, where those are being grown so those this is the set of guidelines that that kind of give you that for the human preventing controls is kind of the similar guidelines but these are meant for facilities that are manufacturing um, food products uh, for rain supply verification is when you are importing product that is the set of guidelines for that uh, Accreditation is, is basically uh, when third-party audits go to foreign facilities, they're going to be looking at that. There's a set of guidelines for that. But um, anyways, uh, what I want to focus right now is, as I was explaining, we have different, depending on what is the product, there is a set of guidelines for animal food, uh, and there is some efforts to avoid intentional adulterations like a bioterrorism. And of course, we need to 
uh, look at as well as set of guidelines for uh, transportation of that of those goods. Uh, basically, what what FISMA is doing is trying to control the whole food supply from you know the production to when you transport and deliver that product to the, to the supermarket, for example. So in that way, uh, basically, we're this is this set of rules and, and guidelines um, is making sure that the food supply is safe and is controlled through the whole through the whole chain. So since the majority of you guys are, are, are producers, right, we will go a little bit just, just to understand if you need to comply or not with the product safety rule. And basically this is coming from directly uh, from one of the presentations that we had um, in the product safety rule. And basically, as I was explaining, this is just the product safety rule is just creating standards for fruit and vegetables that are normally consumed raw just apple, carrots, lettuce, onions, tomatoes. So as I was explaining, is, is for those people who are growing, harvesting, or packaging any, any of these products that are consumed. Uh, we have a, you know, a workshop once a year, which uh, Caitlin, which is here, uh, she kind of coordinate everything. And I, I just go and teach you know, a couple of lectures as a collaborator. Uh, you know, the Department of Ag, of course, they are kind of the regulators and also they actually are educating the, you know, the producers as well. So you know, I would say that they are kind of the experts on that, on that portion. Uh, they do as well some audit is on my understanding. So if you have, uh, you know, any, any questions regarding that, I think that they are the, be the best resource since we, have, since, since we have here on board. This is just a couple of the compliance dates. I just want to make you aware that um, you know the compliance dates for the majority of the products are are in 2020. Uh, as you can see, the majority of the people who are growing more than 25,000 dollars in, in you know in fruit and vegetables that are going to be consumed raw, you know, they should be considering all of these you know all of these dates that they they basically should be in compliance with this role. So this is, as I was explaining, this is just an awareness uh, presentation just to let you know and what is the different type of resources that you have. So this, um, let's talk a little bit about the related food safety programs beside the produce, produce safety role. So one of the things that we are trying to do at the Food Processing Center and the Nebraska Manufacturing Extension Partnership is to provide basically awareness models for current good manufacturing practices, for those people who are doing uh, in a small facilities, uh, how to, for example, we, we go in details, the, the requirements for wearing gloves and hair nets, uh, you know, how the facilities you know, need to be looking like. Uh, so all of those details, we go into that awareness model. So far, what we have done is we go to facilities and, and provide know that's that is our discussion we go there is like a five people then we we bring our gear you know data show and we kind of um, explain all of the regulation in, in a couple of hours so that is something that I have been doing for multiple uh, small companies across across Nebraska uh, another important thing that we have at the food processing center is the better process control school and for I noticed that some of you uh, put some quotes that they want to do, for example, salsa. Uh, this is this is the regulation uh, 
we go in detail about that regulation in here for those type of product. Uh, basically, we kind of explain how are we going to do home canning uh, when the products are acidified. So we go in details about that. There is a workshop uh, in September. Uh, so if you guys are interested, please uh, you know, go into the website and learn more about that. Uh, also, if you are getting into, uh, let's say that they are, that you are so good using your product and Walmart, you know, looking to buy from you, then you may, you may need to have uh, some third-party audit with SQF. So what I do is I go to food processing facilities and, and I have been trained in SQF a little bit. So what I go is I, I go with, you know, with all of the materials and I kind of explain how SQF uh, works and in that way we can save a lot of money by you know we helping you but you are not paying a big auditor a big audit firm that is going to charge you you know twenty thousand dollars or so so in that way you can get your product out of the door become decently big and go in and sell to Walmart uh, this is something that we are doing with 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 one or two companies in Omaha. Uh, another related program, if you are, for example, uh, you want to process any type of your own, you know, you are growing beef or you have beef in your cattle uh, in your farm and you want to do some sort of killing and processing on that, maybe you need to get a train on, on HACCP plan. And that is basically this, uh, there is a course that we have at the university. Uh, the food science department and the animal science also provide assistance on that. So I'm just kind of making you aware of those resources in this slide. Uh, if you want to add, you know, if you want to add value to your to your products, right, your, your fresh vegetable, uh, the Food Processing Center has the National Food Entrepreneur Program. Uh, basically, you know, that has been launched since around night. night 1990, and and basically it's helping, um, it's helping understand. Okay, you have a good recipe. Everybody is telling you that they love the product. That uh, you should sell it. You know how do you go that transition from this is a good product to this is a product that I can sell and I can make profit to make a living. So so this is this is uh, one of the one of the session is called. Um, from recipe to reality and this is you know this is basically explaining you what is the different type of regulation depending upon what is the, the different type of products uh, that you know that you want to make so uh, this is a great resource uh, they have been doing this for you know almost 30 years now and and this is a great resource that you, that you should take advantage of um, this offer you know essential at the food processing center. I think that the next one is going to be in September, October, depending upon, you know, how regulations with COVID and all that. Um, usually it's in person. So, you know, and usually it's in a Saturday or a Sunday. So that's good because hopefully that do not interfere with your, if you are just, you have a full-time job and this is something that you want to do in the side, then you can attend to this course. Uh, this is meant for those people. Finally, if you're looking, uh, if you have your recipe and you are, have been doing this for a long time and you want to, you know, you get this big call from Hybe or Walmart that your product is good and you want to start doing some, some bigger batches, 
uh, the food processing center can help you with that. They have you know, decent sized equipment in which you can create bigger batches. And sometimes, you know, we, they, we may have the right equipment to do uh, different bottles and different stuff. You, don't, you, you, for example, may not have a retort uh, to do, um, you know, canned product. Uh, we could do that uh, if we have the, you know, the right person to, to help. So anyway, this is, as I was explaining, this is just a bunch of resources uh, that we have on site that you may not be aware and, and that's pretty much what I have, guys. Please uh, let me know if we have questions regarding um, anything that I just, that I just talked. Yeah, please uh, share any questions, comments you might have. Uh, for Dr. Martinez, you can type them in the chat. You can uh, unmute yourself and share. So that was sort of an overview of what's available at the Food Processing Center and his programming. And some of us help with that too. <clears throat> you know, I get to, yeah, I get to, uh, to teach farmers how to wash their hands during FISMA training, right? So it's harder than you think. I'm going to ask the, the obligatory question. Um, Bismarck, you mentioned that, you know, part of what you can do with the partnership and the grant is go out to people's um, farms and, you know, do visits. Are you doing that now? And when do you think you'll be doing that again, if not? Well, I will say, I will be honest, I don't think so that farm is going to be right in my alley. I know that the Department of Ag is doing that and Kaislin is doing that. So I'd rather, you know, they are Know, they are more knowledgeable in that area than I do, so I will just defer those those outings to them. You know, I am more into like facilities and 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 people who are already making bigger batches, if you will, that has a facility that is already kind of established. Um, I have been sending people from you know one or twice. We don't have that many pro producers that I have get any inquiries. So to be honest, I just deferred that to Caitlin. I know that she's doing a great job. So, you know, why duplicate before she, she, she may have that money. Yeah, if want you to come out, you would still come out. I was just thinking like COVID related, like you're still able to do visits with distance and mask and stuff like that. Now, if someone did want you to come out to there. Right now, yeah, that is getting a little bit more flexible. Uh, and I'm expecting that that's gonna, as long as it, as long as it is within Nebraska, I think that we may have uh, the flexibility to do that. If I need to go to Kansas and Missouri, probably not. Uh, but that's that is hopefully going to get a little bit more flexible now. Sorry, Caitlin, go ahead. Oh, you're you're totally good. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, if there are any growers on here in Nebraska, just I I say in Nebraska because that is my jurisdiction. I can't. I can't go to Iowa and get on a farm there, but I do know the Iowa people who can. So if you are interested, I can hook you up. Um, but uh, uh, in Nebraska, we do offer on-farm readiness reviews, which is um, basically like a mock inspection. It's non-regulatory and we go over uh, the produce safety rule with you and make sure that um, you're doing everything uh, according to the FISMA produce safety rule, but it's, it's not something where we're going to be keeping a record of it. So um, really, it's just, it would be a great opportunity for you to ask your questions and show us um, your practices. And it's, it's not going to be anywhere that there's going to be a record of it. 
So we do offer that if anybody is interested in doing that um, before an inspection would actually take place. So I think I will, I will tie in a few of our themes here. So we've been talking about kale. We've been talking about dehydrating. We've been talking about kale chips. Uh, in the chat, Kate shared with us uh, the guide that she's been using for the, the dehydration and saying that it's a farm activity if you process it on farm. So if we're doing something like taking kale and dehydrating it in the oven, or in a dehydrator, would a kale chip be considered a farm activity? Or since it's quote seasoned and you know you're you're making a snack out of it instead of saying you know here's your bag of dried kale bits, uh, you know that you can put in a stew. What would that be on farm like a, a farm farm activity, or would that be a processed product? like that you would have to have a commercial kitchen for. Yeah, that's Bismarck. Well, I will, I will, I will defer, uh, you know, that, um, you know, this is, a, I'm not quite for sure, but my understanding is, is this scale, uh, we may, we may need to look into how are you going to be doing that process? How much processing you are adding to it? And that's going to, it is a great area. Uh, it's not you know, straightforward. So what I will say is if you are just cutting uh, that you know, um, product and then you are putting it into a dehydration, I will need to read, 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 read again the regulation. The regulation is telling you that, um, that technically it's a whole um, leave, if you will, and you can dry it. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with that process. So maybe uh, this is something that, that is going to be looking from the, you know, from the FISMA standpoint. Uh, and this is something, as I said, this is a really great area uh, that I need to do a little bit more. But definitely I will pause that question for now. But my initial understanding, it could be that that is under FISMA based on that and you may need to have a certified kitchen. Um, I will say that, um, that there is, I can see also that they can be considered a farm activity. I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to say that is that is as easy as we may think. I want to, you know, make sure that uh, that we are trying to do everything that we can to control, and we don't want to put you in the bad spot. So um, I will I will get back to you on that. A great area, probably processed. <clears throat> so Vanessa put. Uh, Dr. Martinez's uh, email in the chat there if you want to reach out directly to him. So feel free to continue asking questions and I pop the next Slido question up to get our discussion going again. So we'll be mindful of the time. So this will probably be our uh, last question. So what do you need information, services, facilities uh, to support you in food safety or making value-added products or assisting others in doing so. So we sort of had a rundown of what's available. So what do you need? And what's available from the university? Hey, John, I was wondering really quick if I could share my just little what I was told about the drying. Sure, go ahead. Okay, so just really quick. 
Um, for example, if you are growing garlic and you pull that garlic out of your field and you're curing it, that is considered a farm activity, so that's totally acceptable. And it's the same way with dried herbs. If you are not doing anything to them, sorry, one second, my ch I don't know if you could hear my children, but <laughs> one minute. So I think what Kate was getting at was there, you know, if it's, if you're offering it, like if you're drying herbs and you're selling like dried rosemary or dried thyme, it would be a, a farm product. But if you were like making a, a spice blend, maybe like mixing them all together, that would be. Okay. I'm sorry. Product. Sorry. I'm back. I'm back really quick. Um, so if you add anything to it, so here's an example from my farm. I dry roots, um, both echinacea, elecampane, and a few other things. If I harvest those, I have to dry them and then I have to chop them. That is considered um, something I have to use a commercial facility for um, because I am altering the state of that material. So my understanding, again, I'm not an expert, this is just what I have been told, would be with something like kale chips. You're adding olive oil, salt, maybe other spices to those, likely cooking them in an oven. That is not considered an on-farm activity. So, so if you can kind of back to the garlic example, anything that you're just pulling out of your field and you're strictly just drying and you can't even cut or chop it or process it in any way, that is a farm activity, but everything else is not a farm activity. That that's that sounds right according to the regulation, and that's that's what that's that's why I don't want to say an straight answer because you know I don't want you to get confused that somebody an extension educator is telling you that all of the kales is going to be you know, considered farm activity. I think that that is an, an excellent explanation about about that. But it depends on your process. If you are adding, for example, flour to it, or if you are adding any salt or sugar or, or whatever you are adding to it, you are changing that. And and basically that's where the gray area is. And and you know basically it's case by case. And that's why if you have any questions, just reach out, and I will be happy to answer some of those questions. I'll, uh, this is Terry. I'll, I'll also um, just echo and, and add to that. I think, um, and I, I didn't quite catch the, the, the name of the, of the farmer that was sharing the, Kate. Um, Kate thank you, Kate. Um, you know, if you think about drying, drying is an activity that has been done for, you know, forever, uh, as long as crops have been harvested. And uh, it's something that could be done, you know, even with the sun. And so, that would be something so simple and, and straightforward and uh, something that is expected on a farm. And I think, you know, again, to, where that gray area or, or that processing line gets crossed is just as she mentioned, where, where you, would, um, you would begin to, you know, further process it into something that could be stored, you know, long term or add value to it to, uh, to be sold. And so, yeah, I think Kate's explanation was right on target and, um, and, and that's a good example. And I think, you know, I don't know if, John, if this is the right time, I see a couple of questions on the, on the Slido. There was one about the cost of co-manufacturing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'd, just for those on the call, I'd, I'd share that for the food processing center, one of the things that we're trying to do to help people transition from um, beginning to 
you know, you know, I think from just the beginnings of their processing efforts is to um, is to offer our facility as a as a place to get started, not not necessarily a long term home, but, but but maybe a place to get started so that they could then you know either you know contract with a co-manufacturer long term or or build their own facility if that makes sense. But um, the costs are all, they're always variable. It kind of depends on the product, and so I hate to I hate to give such a vague answer. So the easiest thing to do would be to for someone to reach out to me, and I'll try to put my contact information in the chat here in a second. But um, if they reach if, if someone could reach out to me uh, with their specific need, we can talk about what what equipment we have available and um, and what the cost of using it would be. We we try to be very flexible and and try to keep the costs. Um, you know, reasonable and minimal for, especially for people trying to get started. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, there are labor things that, that would be required for us that just are gonna, you know, they're gonna be, there's gonna be a minimum that's gonna be required just to get off the ground. But, um, but we can be, I think, somewhat competitive uh, in that space. And then I think there was another question on, um, yeah, I think it's design of a potential kitchen facility. And I think that's, that's a it's a really good question. I don't know if there's anyone else on the on the call that that has good resources there. Um, anyone is welcome to come see our facility and then um, and 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 kind of observe what what we have. I mean, ours is maybe you know much bigger than a than a kitchen, but um, but if someone wanted to come and just see the kinds of things that are need to be thought through, I uh, would be happy to 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 talk about that and share about that um, we are accepting visitors at this point at the food processing center using all of the the cdc recommended guidelines and so you know masks and social distancing and you know wellness checks and those kinds of things but if um if people are uh, are, are are interested uh the food processing center is always um is open for, for, for those kind of tours and contacts. So, well, thanks for sharing that. Um, 